We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He is Robbie Hummel, and we are joined by Hall of Famer. I, I, I know you laugh, you laugh, but you are a Hall of Famer now, Jay Wright. When I first met you, I'm not sure I ever. Listen, I'll be honest. <laughs> Say I'm it. not sure. It's the truth. Say it. <laughs> Say it. That's what I was laughing at. I was laughing at you saying it. Hall Go of ahead. Famer. Because me, me and you have known each other a long damn time. And those early Villanova years, and even, listen, even 10 years ago, if I had told you 10 years ago to this day that you would be a Hall of Famer, what would you have said to me? No way. I would say no way. I, I agree. That's why I laugh. I still laugh. It's, uh, you know, you don't you don't think about that stuff. And you, you certainly don't think about it when you're going through uh, difficult times, and we have had a lot of them. So um, it's it, it's still surreal to me. Robbie, I was in the, the bowels of Madison Square Garden uh, back in, I think it was 2011, 12, right around that time. And and Jay lost. I don't remember who you lost to. Um, I always say Jay is South Florida. Was it South, South Florida? Florida? Yeah. And and everybody, honestly, there were a lot of people that were like, Jay Wright, get him the hell out of here. It's <laughs> it. You know what? This isn't going to work out at Villanova. Let's get him out of here. And luckily... Uh, we talked or enough people talk some sense into those those fans or media people. And uh, Jay has two national titles now and maybe a chance for a third. Um, so it, amazing how life works out, isn't it? It is, man. It's, uh, it, you know, you, you learn that uh, you take one day at a time, you take one game at a time, you take one season. You learn that and, and you realize that you're blessed that you get to the point where you can learn that. Because there could have been so many other breaks along the way where you didn't get a chance to learn that, you know. So yep. that that's that's a true blessing is is being able to be at this point and having been at Villanova for twenty years and um, and and really get to enjoy every day and every game and every season. So uh, you're enjoying every every season, but let's face it, college hoops is going to look different. Uh, it already does in five years from now, ten years from now. What worries you the most about the where the game's headed and, and everything going on? You know, I, I'm a coach, right? So I worry about it. We worry about everything, and that's what we do. Um, 
and, and when you care about something you, like we all do college basketball, you look at the, the landscape and, and, and you worry about, you know, where a conference is going to be, what, uh, how's NIL going to impact this game? How's transfer portals going to impact this game? However, I, I do look back at history and every time this is much, uh, a much smaller problem, but I remember when we were part of the big East and, the Big East went to 16 teams and we were, all of us thought, all right, this is going to be the end. You know, like, you know, we're making this decision for football and this is going to be the end. And we wound up having 11 teams in the NCAA tournament that year. You know, you, you learn that uh, things happen for a reason. And, um, you know, this NIL we're, we're dealing with right now uh, is, is a little rocky to start, but I, I kind of feel like in the end, it's going to, even itself out, we're going to come to a, a, a level playing ground and, and we're going to be experienced at it. And it's the right thing to do for these student athletes. Same thing with transfer portal. It's not right now the best thing for the game because none of us know how to handle it. But I do think in the end, the players should have the right to move if they're not happy. And, um, and, 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 I, and I think the same thing with the conferences. This thing is going to it's going to play itself out. I, I don't know where it's going to end. I have a lot of different theories, but um, in the end, we'll all fa fall where we should be. You know, as long as we keep college athletics about students that are playing their sport and these students are part of the student body, as long as we keep that, even if these students make money, there are other students that make money. Uh, that's fine. And if they can transfer, that's fine. Other students change school. But as long as they remain students, I, I think we'll come out of this okay. Coach, I, I want to go back to the Hall of Fame. Congrats. Um, I'm going to say more eloquently than Jeff did. Um, <laughs> that that night is At least without an... laughing at me, Rob. Yeah, no. I, 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 I sincerely meant it. I don't know what he was saying. <laughs> no, so I, I meant I, I it. Of course I meant it. <laughs> he, was just, he was just in shock after watching the, the journey. That's all. But he saw the South Florida game, apparently, and that he just thought it was over with from there. That's such an incredible assembly of people at the Hall of Fame. And just, you know, Michael Jordan's a presenter, and you look around the crowd, and it's just Hall of Famers everywhere. Was there any one moment that, that stuck out or where maybe you had to pinch yourself like, oh, my God, like, it's just it's the best of the best? There was a lot of them, really, right? Yeah. And just like you said, it, it, you know, you uh, we in the spring they when they had to do the the induction of the 20 class with Kobe Bryant they had to do that in the spring because of covid so when they did it they had our class come up to Mohegan Sun on Saturday night they kept us secluded in this luxury box um while that went on the next morning they drove us on a bus to uh, Springfield to announce the 21 class on that bus. It, there was a bus going from Mohegan Sun to Springfield was all Hall of Famers. And I'm sitting on the back of this bus and it's Bobby Dandridge and Calvin Murphy and um, Gary Payton and Bill Russell. And, and I'm just like, no one, Dawn Staley. And it, it was our class, but also previously inducted Hall of Famers, I was thinking no one would, Vlade Divac, they're telling stories and you're like, no one would believe the assembly of people on this bus. It's unbelievable. That, 
that one might have been the, the, the craziest moment that I, I can't believe I'm sitting on a bus with all these people. Yeah, I know we talked about it, but go back 10 years ago. Go back to where your career was that year and how you how you got it back, how you got the Villanova culture back, because it's what everybody talks about now, Jay. And it is kind of the craziest thing, because when every coach talks about getting their culture to something else, they use your program now as kind of the gold standard. And, and 10 years ago, you weren't the gold standard. Let's face it. Yeah, I think you're referring to uh, the – and this is what I was saying about the South Florida game. You you might have been talking about even earlier when we were losing our first three years. That was another yeah. time. But ab- about um, 2011 or 2012, we had a 13 and 15 season. And um, we were we were coming off our first Final Four. So we, we came here in 2001. We were building the program. Our first three years were not pretty. Our fourth year, we go to the Sweet 16 – and then we keep building and building. And in 09, we get to the final four. And when we get to the final four in 09, I thought as an inexperienced final four coach that, well, the next thing you're supposed to do is get all these one and done guys. That's what everybody's doing. That's what we should do. And we started recruiting that way. And it, you know, we started bringing, and it was easy to get players because we were coming off a of final four, but we were just getting players and not explaining to them what the culture was here. Don't know. We just taking them. And that was our fault. Like I, I didn't know it at the time, but they, the kids got here and they're, you know, we're asking them to do some of the things we do. And they're looking at me like, wait a minute, this wasn't, this wasn't part of the plan. You know, I was supposed to come in here in a year or two and go to the NBA. And it, it wasn't their fault. It was ours. We didn't select people explaining to them what our program is, what the expectations are. And we, we, it, it, it ended in a 13 and 15 year. And in that year, 13 and 15, two guys left early for the NBA that year. And we were 13 and 15. So it kind of shows you where we were. And, um, you know, we said after that year, and I think it was like 11 or 12, we said, we, all right, we might, we might wind up getting fired we're, because we're not going to recruit this way anymore. We're going to explain to guys what this program is about. We're going to get guys that fit the Villanova culture and, if we can do it, we'll get this thing going again. If we can't, we'll probably get fired. But if we're going to go down, let's go down true to our culture. And then we were very fortunate. We got Ryan Archidiakono and Daniel Cheffrey that, that next year. And we never thought we were going to win a national championship. We just thought we were going to be able to true to who we are. Did your fan base take that okay? Where you maybe you sacrificed ranking stars or whatever in recruiting for a better fit? Because I know that's always hard. You, there's an expectation, and certainly as a coach, you you block that out. But but it is there. Was it was it hard yeah. for them to take that? No, you know what? That's a that's a great question, Robbie. I'm glad I can address that. I, you know, I always say, and obviously I'm biased. That this is the this is the best coaching job in college basketball. It, it is because it, everybody on campus cares at Villanova cares about ba- Villanova basketball, and Villanova basketball has been good going back to the '50s. It's not. Every coach here has been – if you look at the records of all the coaches, every coach has been successful, every single one, because everything on this campus revolves around basketball. And But you also have an educated fan base. You're in a pro town where uh, they love their college basketball. They love that the guys graduate in four years. So they, they get that unique combination we have here. So to your question, they did get that. You know, and they actually got 
and I never really went into depth with this, but they might have figured out what we figured out before we did. They might have been looking at our team and saying, this is not, you know, you guys are winning games, but this is not a Villanova basketball culture we got going here. Uh, we'll take the wins, but th this, this is not what we're used to. So when we did go back to they really did get it. And they really appreciate here that, that our guys are, you know, all our guys live on campus. Like nobody lives off campus. They're a part of the student body. Um, they appreciate that we play on campus during the week. They love the games at the Wells Fargo Center on the weekends, but they appreciate we're on campus here and that the, the guys go to class and the guys graduate on time. So they get it. Now they, they want to win too. I, you know, if, if it's bad for a couple of years in a row, but they really did get that, Robbie. And, and I think we, we, we were blessed to be a part of this culture here on campus that they do. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing a business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get the candidates worth interviewing faster. And it's free. I know for a fact, both Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster used LinkedIn to, to find a new producer. They were looking for somebody, needed a quality candidate, and all of a sudden with LinkedIn, they found the perfect guy. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash good. That's linkedin.com slash good to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You were also an assistant this summer with, with Greg Popovich, won a gold medal. Um, it ended really well. It, it didn't yeah. start great. <laughs> what, what were those meetings like early? Because Pop can be prickly for sure, and everybody knows that. <laughs> was was it? Uh, I mean, certainly it's a long deal, and you guys dealt with some unprecedented stuff. The NBA season going so late, you don't get to practice. But how, how was that early? As you guys were were dropping some exhibition games. That's funny you say. Pop can be prickly. Pop never says. He, he, his response is never okay. Let's all relax and just have some fun. Like he is a grinder, man. He is yeah. a worker. I, I have some of the we, – we were quarantined, you know, basically in Las Vegas, 37 straight days together. And I, I, I wish someone would do a story or something, and maybe we could get a podcast with these guys, to understand what these NBA guys went through. Yeah. And like you said, like they were, they were coming off a year where they were in a bubble, then started their season. Went, their season went long. They had to go to Las Vegas, be in a bubble in Las Vegas – go to Tokyo where we no family could come with them. We 37 days we, we were away and, and in Tokyo, we couldn't go out of our hotel. We couldn't go outside. It, it was really difficult for these guys. And you had guys get test positive for um, COVID. We, we had three players, um, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Devin Booker fly in at 2 a.m. the night of our first Olympic game against France, who was the best team, second best to us. 
and we played them with those guys just coming into it. Like all these things these guys went through, it was really difficult when we were going through it because all of us as coaches and players, we were thinking, we don't want to be the team that doesn't win the gold medal. Like we take pride in USA basketball. We want to represent the country. We saw how things were unfolding and this was not going well. And we were feeling it. But in the end, what everyone sacrificed and how everyone's fought through their adversity, it probably was the most gratifying experience for all of us as coaches and players. And I, and I think the coaches, you look at Popovich and Steve Kerr won, you know, NBA championship. I think they would tell you the same thing. It was, it was one of the most gratifying basketball experiences we've ever had. So, Jay, I, I feel like Coach K was able to kind of scratch that NBA itch through coaching the Olympics. How much, you know, again, I think a lot of people, myself included, felt like you could be the Sixers head coach at someday, someday, right? When you, I always said when your kids got out of college, out of, out of high school, that you would – the only place you would leave Villanova for would be the NBA and maybe the Sixers. I'm not saying anything. I, I love Doc, so Doc's good there, right? We're not we're not trying to take Doc's job, but yeah, Doc's um, good. does this scratch that itch enough for you, or is this something as you get older potentially the only way you leave Villanova for is maybe a shot at the NBA? I, you know, one of the things you brought up, Jeff, that's really interesting. You talked about um, Coach K scratching his NBA itch, watching. Greg Popovich coached these NBA guys um, and the NBA terminology, that understanding of taking care of their bodies and making adjustments with them during a the game and dealing with the, their uh, unique talents makes it even more remarkable what Coach K did with those teams. It's unbelievable what, what he was able to do with those teams. I just had to say that because Pop was incredible. But you could tell there's things that those NBA guys know because I was the only college guy. Right. There's just a lot of things those NBA guys know about day-to-day -day life, about dealing with these guys, running practices that you don't know in the, in the college game. But to answer your question, I, I got great experiences because this was a five-year commitment with these guys because we did the World Cup and then, you know, the years in between. And, and we did the select team. Pop and I did the select team before that. So it, that has been great. Uh, so I don't have I don't have to scratch the itch. I I really hope I can stay at Villanova as long as they as they'll have me. I, I really do. That that's that's the plan. But as we know, I don't. That's life happens when you're when you're making plans, right? So I've I've got to ask you this because I feel like you're the poster child for like elite suits. All <laughs> these coaches have gone to polos and slacks. What what are you gonna do? Robbie, I, I, I am overrated as a dresser. I'm no, you're you. not. You are I by far the best. I love, I love, I, love, I look at it this way. All right, if we're, if, if what we're going to do is wear suits, then all right, if we're going to wear suits, I want to have a nice suit. And I had, I had the greatest tailor in the world, Gabriel Denunzio, <laughs> little Italian guy from West Philly. He's the greatest. He, God rest his soul, he passed of COVID this spring. Um, I still got all of his suits, but I'm not never going to get his touch again. But I, I really liked coaching in, in in this attire. Um, it was a crazy, you know, you get these nice suits and, and then you're in a huddle and guys are like sweating down on the back of you. You're, 
you're dry. The suits last like two years because you're dry cleaning them all the time. This, you're, you have nice shirts. You're sweating in them. So I'm, I like this attire. This is what I think we're going to wear again this year. We'll see how long this lasts. I mean, if you're going that way, we're all doomed. It's never coming <laughs> back if you're feeling that way. No, everybody's <laughs> got to go that way. Listen, if you're uh-huh. if you're abandoning the suit game, everybody has to abandon the suit game. Nobody can do it. I think there's some good young guys that can come on with the suit game and bring it back on again. You guys in TV, you guys got to keep the suit game going. I know. We're, we're pushing for the polo life like you guys, but I don't think it's happening. <laughs> so we'll see. All right, let, let's get – uh, to your team, this year's team. And uh, I don't think anybody thought uh, you'd be welcoming back uh, Gillespie and, and, and Jermaine Samuels for a fifth year. I mean, obviously, Colin got hurt. That played into it. But, you know, the COVID year, most high major programs aren't bringing back their best players. Um, you know, they're just not. I mean, how how shocked were you that both those guys decided to come back? Well, it- in the during the year, you know, when we knew that they could come back, I don't think either one of them were coming back because I think Colin, you know, he he got hurt. Colin Gillespie got hurt in the second to last regular season game, which was for the Big East champ regular season Big East championship. So he was on his way, uh, you know, to a great season, and and I think probably getting drafted. And Jermaine was on his way also. Um, that Colin got hurt, but Jermaine, what people don't know is the reason Jermaine stayed is he played with a broken finger all year. And they said at the end of the season, he had to have the surgery. So he was thinking if, if I'm going to have the surgery and then I'm going to go into workouts and I'm going to go into summer league with, you know, without being able to play because of my surgery, you know, I'm not really going to put myself in the best position. So to get healthy and thank God I get another year, I get a chance to go into that healthy the following year. That's why we got him back. So we were, we were fortunate. I do think it's going to work out for both of them. Uh, you know, I have that unique uh, perspective that I, I just think it's best for guys to go to the NBA when they're ready for the NBA, when, when they're ready to be successful players, not just to get there, now, some guys are, are good enough to just get there because you know they're going to be good. But if that's the case, then that means you're ready. But I think both these guys will be ready physically, mentally, and, and basketball IQ-wise to have successful NBA careers. How has Colin looked? Is he, has he looked healthy, Coach? Yeah, he really does, Rob, which you, you've had knee injuries. I know you know, man. I, I have been shocked and, you know, knock wood, but I, I'm, I'm shocked. To be honest, like he he looks it's funny. I left on July 2nd for the Olympics. I didn't get back until August 10th. And um we we didn't get back on campus until like the 17th. So I didn't see him from July 2nd till August 17th on the court. And when I saw him on the court, I was like, wow. I mean, he looked because when I left, he still wasn't cleared. And when I came back, he looked like he you know, he, he never had an injury. It was incredible. All right. So the million dollar question, who, how are you going to replace Jeremiah Robinson Earl up front? Like yeah. I, seriously, yeah. like he was so reliable. Like he was the ultimate, like professional 
as a college player because yeah. you knew what he was going to bring it every – he just made people better, did all the little things. What are you going to look like up front without him? You know, it's interesting, Jeff. There's not not many people talk about that. They don't – they just say, oh, you got Jermaine back and Colin back and you guys are going to be great. That – Jeremiah Robinson was everything we want a Villanova basketball player to be. He kind of was like to the forward position like Jalen Brunson was to, to the guard position, you know, he, um, I think he's big East player of the year, right? Or uh, I don't know. Those were, uh, he, he was our best defensive player. He was, uh, close to, I think Jermaine and Colin up being our most efficient offensive player. He was our best rebounder. He guarded, he's guarded pick and roll better than any player. I thought Daniel Chepa was our best ever. He was better than Daniel Chepa guarding pick and roll. He was a monster in all the things. We have this attitude club that we chart. He won attitude club every game. Really? He's everything. Is that, that body language? Or, or what is attitude club? Is that like body language? and? No, it's, it's not. If we chart all the things that you do in a game that actually helps the team win but doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And, and we, we chart it, and then we divide it by your minutes played. And that's your efficiency and effectiveness as a Villanova basketball player. You know, we always try to use the example like, you know, the leading scorer and leading rebounder, well, that guy is going to be, you know, on ESPN. They're going to know who that guy is. But the guy that sets the screen, the guy that makes the extra pass, the guy that quick gets the ball out quickly on an outlet, the guy that dives on a loose ball, like all these things that we value, we chart it. And he would win. So we divide it. So when you play a lot of minutes, it's hard to yeah. be the best at that. He you would to be play the, the guy that plays five minutes and goes in there and just knocks out a bunch of good screens. Exactly. And <laughs> some exactly. dirty work. Exactly. Exactly. But he played the most minutes of anybody on our team, and he would win it every game. Wow. He is going to be so difficult to replace. But but he's one of those guys that he could have went after his first year, and he, he decided for one more year because he just wanted to get complete as a player. And, and, and the guys in the NBA have told us this, that like, he's just so ready. He's so professional. And Jeff, you used that word, and it's really true. Like, he's going into the NBA as a professional, as, a, as opposed to, like, a young guy that has to learn his way. Right, okay, you didn't I answer wanna, the question. You didn't answer my question, though. I, you know, I'm worried about it, man. I, I, and I Again, I, you know, people are like, oh, you got all these guys, all coaches just worried. But I am worried about that because we got Eric Dixon – uh, Slater, uh, Trey Patterson was with us, you know, for half a year. Um, Nana, all those guys up front, it's, it might take four guys, you know, Jermaine Samuels too, it might take five guys to replace what, what he's not, done. They're not big either, Jay. They're not as big as him, correct? I mean, you're Na, be- Nana is, Nana is, right, right. Nana's a, a big, big guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's young, you know, he's a freshman and, yeah. Eric Dixon's got his strength and girth, but he doesn't have his length, you know? Right. So, uh, again, we don't have that guy, but we got a lot of guys that I think that can make up for what he did, I hope. Coach, I want to ask you about transfers. And when you look at the high major level, and I'll, I'll read you some numbers here. Texas takes six transfers this year. Kansas takes four. Kentucky takes four. Arkansas has five. Even North Carolina has three. You guys have – no new transfers coming in this year. I believe Caleb Daniels is your only transfer from Tulane, if I'm correct. Yeah. Why, why is that? And do you see that as a sustainable way to recruit? 
know, I, and to your question, Robert, and we lost one guy to transfer, which, ki- which kills me. And it's not anybody's fault that, you know, uh, Cole Swider is a guy we loved in our program and he was a junior and we try to structure our rosters. You know, he was a senior, he'd be a starter, but Jermaine and Colin coming back, he's looked, he said to me, like, I, I'm never going to start here. And I, I get it, you know? So he, he's transferred and we're, we're all sad about it, you know, but we, we just feel, I, I don't, you know what, Robbie, I don't know if it's just, I, it used to be sustainable. Right. I don't know if it's going to be sustainable going forward. I, I think, um, you know, to, to Jeff's earlier question about, uh, you know, what, what do we think about where this is going? I, I, I we're monitoring everything right now. We're, we're monitoring NIO. We're monitoring the transfer portal. We're not saying this is, this is how we're doing things. This is the way we've always done things, but we do value guys that have been in our program for two or three years might be more efficient and actually more effective in a college basketball game than a superstar guy that was in another program for two two, three years that doesn't have our habits and culture. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I think that's part of the reason you won two national titles. You know, everybody wants to be older now, Jay, because you guys were older. Carolina was older. Everybody kind of sees that. What a, it's a copycat. Everything's copycat, whether it's NBA, whether it's college basketball, how you play, the way you build your roster. Um, what what concerns you the most about this year's team? Is it up front? Yeah, it, it is. It is replacing uh, Jeremiah in, in that he I, like I, I tried to explain earlier, and I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of this, but what we value in our program, he brought as well as anybody ever in, in that every little thing you do to make everybody else better, to make the team win. We've got talented guys, but will those guys, like a lot of them didn't have to do some of them because he did. Like he, he always let us in screen assists. He always let us in rebounding. He always let us in quick outlets. He always guarded pick and roll. We could make adjustments within a game defending pick and roll because you could tell him and he, he, he would know what we were doing in the next play. And he would talk the guards through what we were doing on the next play. He was a quarterback out there defensively. So we, we've got to do that with different, with different people. You guys have won two of the last five national titles, coach. Why can this team make it three of six? I think we've got since 18, uh, we lost four guys early to the NBA after 18. Um, I don't think we've ever gotten our depth back to where we like it to be, um, especially early in the season. But by the end of the year, we, 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 we usually get there, but it's, it's always not pretty. Get, it hasn't been pretty getting there since 18. But this year we're going into the season with depth, with, with experience. Um, and, and, our, you know, our teams in 16 and 18 had that, you know, you, you, you can go through a year where you're a team that gets hot at the end. You can, but it's more probable that you're a team that's experienced. It goes through things together. And then by the end of the year, you put together all those experiences you make them positives, and then that prepares you for the NSA tournament. I hope we can do that. 
All right, there he is, Hall of Famer, Jay Wright. Now I'm saying it with a little bit more conviction in my voice. Um, respect in here. Some respect, that's right. Some respect. Listen, like I, like I told you, Jay, we, we've known each other a long time. Uh, standing there in the bleachers of ABCD, you trying to recruit Randy Foy, Jason Frazier, uh, Alan Ray, all those guys. No, I, I, I don't know if I saw this coming. Uh, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, it's, you. yeah, it's been a it's been a cool ride. It's been a cool ride, and uh, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm happy for you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon in person this year for a game. You got it, buddy. Good talking to you guys. Take care. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.